Thanks for sharing, Jeremiah. It is good, guys, to uh, realize what the purpose of the church is and really believing God in what he is asking of us as we gather together because it really is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And I so love that mentality. It's just like, hey, we gather together for what? (laughs) To get built up, to be stirred on to good works that we can go and enter our mission field And for some of you guys, that's exactly what you're going to be doing the second church is over. You know, maybe it's going back home to family or you have work this afternoon. Maybe it's just hanging with neighbors, whatever the Lord would have. You know, we are on mission. You guys understand that this isn't our home. We're just passing through as believers. And it's kind of cool that we get to labor with the Lord and the things he's doing. Do you guys know that God's up to good? He's at work. Monday night, there was a young man who fell on a field whole lot of atheists praying. I don't know how that works. Everybody pray, 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 pray. People deep down know that there's a God. I've talked with a lot of atheists. They believe in God. They just don't want to deal with God is really what's going on. We all know. You guys know that God has written eternity in our hearts? That's why when you go to a funeral, people are actually broken and open to the gospel because they know there is something after this life. Because God put it in each of us. We just know that. That's why even pagans of the world, people who live without God, they all have beliefs about afterlife. Every single people group. Where do they get that from? It's because God's put it in all human beings. It's there. So I so (laughs) appreciated Jeremiah bringing up uh, the need for a power source You guys know that the Holy Spirit has empowered us to be witnesses. You guys know that? Um, You guys have love-hate relationships? I love my smartphone and I hate my smartphone. You guys ever get to, you know, you're trying to do something, but you're just like, your phone's so bogged down You ever have that happen? It's like overloaded. It's not functioning the way it's supposed to function, and it's time for a reset. You guys ever have that happen? Uh, I got a reset. You know, what are you told to do with the reset? Well, you got to close everything down, okay? A hard reset is needed, and you need to plug into a power source (laughs) in order for that reset to happen. And I feel that's what happens with us when we connect with the Lord, okay? When the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts and in our lives. You guys ever feel that happen? Okay, Lord just spoke to me deeply, okay? I I read his word, I hear his word, but the Holy Spirit wants to download something new, something different. There's an upgrade that needs to happen. And when we are plugged into him, guys, that's when those things can take place. And I want to encourage you. We're going to take the last three Tuesdays. I threw out uh, wrong dates last week because I didn't know. Well, how many of you guys actually know which months have 31 days in them? Okay, how many of you guys just lied? 
I have no clue, okay? <laughs> so there's actually 31 days in the month of January. So we're going to do the last three Tuesdays of the month just for an hour, 6.15 to 7.15. We're going to do an in-depth study from the Word. We're going to go through hundreds of passages. We're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Acts and seeing how the Holy Spirit worked through the church because Jesus promised that as he would ascend to the Father that he would send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God would endow the believers with power from on high to be witnesses to the world. And it's so cool taking a look at how God worked through believers to make the gospel really go forth into the known world at the time. I don't know about you guys, but that's what's needed today, okay? When I got in tune with the Holy Spirit at the age of 18, I'd shared my faith with others. I'd never led anybody to faith in Christ. I was baptized in the Spirit at 18, and boy, the words were no different. There was a power now in sharing of the gospel, and people started responding to Christ and getting saved. And the only thing that changed in my life was a surrender I wanted to be plugged in. It wasn't about me and what I wanted any longer. It was just God. I'm like Isaiah. I'm an unclean man. (laughs) I don't even have lips that know what to say rightly. (laughs) Just use me. And that's all God wants is a surrender. So as we've been considering the study in Corinthians, we've seen a a church there that Paul wrote this letter to 2,000 years ago that were very spiritual but very carnal at the same time, okay? And it's one of those things, guys, that we need the truth of God's word because as we are going to see even again this morning, there's a purpose. We are human beings, and we all have opinions, okay? How many guys are counselors? All right, we're all counselors, If you have conversations with people and give any advice, you're a counselor whether you like it or not. We have a lot of counselors, a lot of voices in life, a lot of different opinions. But I've found for me personally in this life, guys, this is the only counsel that is absolutely right all the time. (laughs) And only the only counsel that really matters, okay, because God is much wiser than we are. Okay, and it is good. And we know that this book, Jesus said that this is spirit. And this is truth. The Apostle Peter said, holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit of God when they penned these words. This is God breathed. The word of the living God. And what a privilege we have to look to him. And what he has to say concerning the working of his spirit. Because we talk a lot about God the Father and about Jesus his son. But how much time do we actually take considering God the Holy Spirit? So that's what we're going to do on these Tuesday nights. We're not going to have any time of worship. We're just going to get together, and we're going to exhaust and go deep into the Scriptures. So I encourage you to come. Bring your kids. Bring your Bibles. Um, I'm not even going to have notes. We're just going to open Scriptures, and we're just going to dive in deep. So we want to be plugged in, okay? And the source needs to be the Lord himself. Oh, and on that, i got to thank my sister Chris here. Uh, She convicted me. Was that last week you shared this scripture with me? It was the word convict. She was just being blessed by God and trying to encourage me. How many of you guys know Isaiah 43, 19? If you guys, for you who don't, look on the screen. It's right here. <laughs> this is God speaking for I'm about to do something new. And do you guys know that God is in the business of doing new things? 
Okay, he's made us new creations. All of us who've called upon the name of Jesus who've been born again. Man, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new for us, right? And he's even going to make a new heaven and new earth. I can't wait, okay? It's going to be cool. We should do a study on that sometime. Anyways, see, he says, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Some of us don't see what God's up to, you know? This is all I see. You know, I got this situation, <laughs> I got this problem with this person. That's all we can see, and we can't actually perceive what God is up to. And then he says, hey, I'm going to make pathways through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. Wow. Life's been dry lately. My walk with Jesus, it's been dry. My relationship with him feels dry. Do we believe God's going to do something new? What I love about God, all his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You guys know that? All his promises. Over 5,000 promises in the Bible. Okay, A lot for Israel, which we're not Jewish. But there's a whole lot for us as the people of God, as the children of God. Um, Do you guys know that God's promises don't have expiration dates on them? There may be something that God has spoken to you a long time ago, okay? Just because it hasn't come to pass yet doesn't mean God isn't going to do it. And there's been some things in my life that, hey, I hear you, God. (laughs) I'm sensitive to your spirit. I, I follow you. You've spoken this. I've stepped out, and you were faithful to that promise. You did exactly what you told me you were going to do. But there's some things that he's spoken to my life, you know, believing, stepping towards it, and it hasn't happened. And then I'm like, God, what's up? <laughs> you said this was going to happen. And I'm so thankful that Chris sent this to me because this is a word the Lord spoke to me about five years ago. Some things very specific, and I was very excited. It was a needed word at that season in my life, and he spoke some things to me. And just you, sister, sending this and sharing this with me encouraged my heart once again because the Lord again spoke to me. And he said, my promises don't have an expiration date. You keep believing and you keep doing what I'm asking you to do, son. That's it. And I want to encourage you guys, whatever that next step is that God has asked you to take, and maybe it's something a long time ago. Sometimes we're in a place of arrested development. Why are you not growing? Why aren't more things happening? God, I want to do this. I'll go here. I'll do that. And oftentimes God will remind me at least, son, (laughs) I'm not asking you to do that. Remember when I asked you to take that step back then? I want you to go back there and do what I asked you to do. Do that first. That's your next step. And then I'll let you know what the next one is and what the next one is. So be encouraged, guys. Our God is very much alive. He's very much at work. He's working through his church. We're in 1 Corinthians 13 this morning. It's been a little while since we've been in Corinthians because of Advent and that other pastor doing topicals. Who was that guy? But I so love just getting into the word of God verse by verse. We're going to get through Corinthians, Lord willing, before 
uh, I go on a sabbatical. We're going to go into the second part of chapter 13. So if you would turn in your Bibles at this time to 1 Corinthians 13. The love chapter that's right in between two chapters that deal with the gifts given by the Holy Spirit to the church and their purposes. And we saw last time, and it's all about love, because if we don't have love, whoop-de-doo how spiritual we are. And that would be a good quote. Whoop-de-doo how spiritual we are. You put that on my gravestone. Whoop-de-doo. Before we start, I read this um, article by a surgeon. He called it Twisted Mouth. Um, the MD is uh, Richard Seltzer. Um, he's got these lessons he calls mortal lessons. And notes on the art of surgery is what he called this one. He said, I stand by the bed where a young woman lies, her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, clownish, a tiny twig of a facial nerve, the one to the mouse muscles of her mouth have been severed. She will be thus from now on. The surgeon had followed the religious fervor of the curve of her flesh. I promise you that. Nevertheless, to remove the tumor from her cheek, I had to cut out the little nerve. Her young husband is in the room. He stands on the opposite side of the bed, and together they seem to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Who are they, I ask myself. He is this wry mouth I have made. Who gaze at the touch each other generously, greedily. The young woman speaks. Will my mouth always be like this? She asks, yes, I say, it will. It is because the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent. But the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. All at once, I knew who he was. I understood. I lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with a god. Unmindful, he bends to kiss his crooked, her crooked mouth, and I am so close that I can see he twists his own lips to accommodate hers to show her that their kiss still works. Makes me think of Psalm 2, verse 12. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. We long for the day, guys, when the abstract will be concrete. Where narrative is and will be boldly illustrated or will illustrate for us the didactic. You see, last time we looked at the first seven verses and we looked at love's preeminence and then we defined what some of those ingredients of love look like according to God. And now this morning we're going to look at verse 8 and on and we're going to look at love lasts. You guys know that? Love is not meant to grow cold. <laughs> right? 
Jesus even said, hey, I wish you would be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of your mouth. What you need to do is return to your first love. We need to stay in that love. We need to be growing in that love. How many of you guys can testify and say, hey, I love my spouse today more than I did when I first got married? And if you can't say that, I want to talk with you. And I'm serious. I want you to message me this week. There's something off. I want to know. I want to pray for you. I want to talk with you. I'd love to minister into your life. Because God's ways are the right way. Do you guys know that? His ways are right. They are good. Now, what I want to do is I want to read over and quote just the first seven verses. And I don't want you to look in your Bible. You guys can go back. We thoroughly studied it verse by verse. You can go look at that sermon. I just want you guys to listen to this paraphrase of the first seven verses here. You can close your eyes if it would help. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love I'm nothing but a creaking of rusty of a rusty gate. And if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks better, back but keeps going to the end one of the ingredients we looked at last time is that love endures all things L.B. Kalman writes in her famed streams in the desert it's a devotional how many of you guys have read it have it phenomenal all you sisters it's good yeah, I read her too. Um, <laughs> but she, after her and her husband had come back from the mission field, as Charles was passing away, uh, she had written this devotional. And she had one, and it hit on Proverbs 10, 12. Love covers all wrongs. And I want to share that with you guys. She says, when you are troubled, share your problems with God alone. Recently, I read a personal experience of a precious child of God. It made such an impression on me that I would like to relate it here to you. At midnight, I found myself completely unable to sleep, she wrote. Waves of cruel injustice were sweeping over me. 
and covering of love seemed to have been unknowingly removed from my heart. In great agony, I cried to God for power to obey this admonition. Love covers all wrongs. Immediately, his spirit began to work the power into me that ultimately brought about forgetfulness. I mentally dug a grave, deliberately throwing the dirt out until the hole was very deep. With sorrow, I lowered the offense that had wounded me into the grave and quickly shoveled the soil over it. Then I care fully covered the hole with green sod, planted beautiful white roses and forget-me-nots on top, and briskly walked away. Suddenly, restful sleep came to me, and the wound that had seemed so deeply was healed without a scar. God's love has covered so completely that today I can't even remember what caused me grief. There was a scar on yonder mountainside, gashed out where once the cruel storm had trod, a barren, desolate chasm reaching wide across soft green sod. But years crept by beneath the purple pines and veiled the scar with grass and moss once more and left it fairer now with flowers and vines than it had been before. There was a wound once in a gentle heart from which life's sweetness seemed to ebb and die and love's confining chain to bitter smart while slow sad years went by. Yet as they passed unseen, an angel stole and laid a balm of healing on the pain till love grew purer in the heart made whole and peace came back again. Many heartaches come our way in life, guys. And the desire to give up and to quit often pass through our minds. But God's love endures, even in our shortcomings. So how can we do any less? I don't know about you guys, but I want a love that lasts. Not a superficial love, not a conditional love. Sacrificial love. Love, period. That would be a good t-shirt. Love, period. Love never fails, guys. All the way to the cross it goes. The permanency and the lasting nature. 2,000 years later, we got a huge cross out on our sign. Why? Because what Jesus did upon that cross, the reality of it, it will never change. No matter what we do, no matter how hard we rebel, God demonstrated his love and that love for us. He is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, guys. We were told even before creation, he was already crucified. What? That is our God. 
So let's take a look at what he has to say for us here this morning as we pick it up in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. That which is perfect. Oh boy, do people have thoughts about this. So many of them are wrong. (laughs) Oh, But I want to pose this and approach it with you guys in a way of asking questions. Is this talking about the second coming of Jesus? Or maybe the perfect age in which these gifts will no longer be needed? Some interpret it as being the completion of the New Testament. Once the New Testament gets written, then we don't need these gifts any longer. Thus, they're not for today. But then what about verse 12? Now we are already known as we're known? Nope. Okay, so anybody who holds to that? Yeah. Great Bible teachers hold to that stream of thought guys there's huge conferences today that anybody who would believe in charismania anyone who would actually believe what first corinthians 12 13 and 14 is talking about that all stopped when the new testament was written the bible doesn't say it guys and to come to that conclusion you're twisting and you're ignoring the word of god and then i look and say what about all the churches the hundreds of thousands of believers who are working in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, sorry you don't have the least of the gifts. Unless you're going to hold a bat. Oh, boy. I want to, yeah. We need to pray. But it's, the reason why I have a frustration with it is they would say anybody who is functioning in the gifts of the Spirit, they're possessed by demons. It's not the Holy Spirit working through them like the Bible teaches it's actually Satan. Do you guys see how twisted and backwards that is? And there's a lot who believe and hold to that. But there are some men who are actually humble enough to seek the Lord. Okay? I know some of you guys don't like Max Licato. I like Max because in my early walk with the Lord, you know this guy's written like a billion books, you know? And I wanted to know about Jesus. And so many of his books, it was all about Jesus. This is what Jesus did. <laughs> this is why grace is so important for the believer. And I wanted to grow in the grace of God. But I also knew theologically I didn't agree with things that Max believed. Because Max came from a tribe, a stream, where, hey, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're not for today. He believed that the completion of the New Testament Ceased, all that stopped at that time. You guys know what happened to Max Licato this last year? He wrote a new book. He did a deep dive study on the Holy Spirit. The brother's a little older now in the Lord. He's been pastoring for a long time. But just confronted, not with his denomination and what they taught, but just taking an honest look at what God's word is, He got baptized in the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. Now, he is one of the leaders within this denomination. What do you think he's going through? (laughs) Because that's not supposed to happen. All these people that look up to him, well, we believe you're demon-possessed, I guess. (laughs) 
No. He was just humble enough to say, hey, God, if this is true, if what I'm reading, if I'm reading this right, if I've missed something and you would have any gift for me, God, I want to be open. I don't want to say no to anything that you would want to give. And he prayed that consistently, not for just days, but weeks. And one day the Holy Spirit fell on him in such a way he just started speaking in tongues. So, it's good to ask questions when we come to these things. That which is perfect. Well, some interpret that maybe then to be Jesus' return. Because isn't there some similar wording there to what we read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2? Beloved, now we're children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Some interpret this, guys, as being the completion or the maturation or the perfection of the church. So I think this holds most weight when it flows best in the context, okay, of the following verse in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So then Paul, you know, would see God as God now saw Paul. And then partial knowledge, it would be displaced with perfect knowledge of God. In other words, there's a slow maturing process from infancy to adulthood. And even Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 48 said, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Oh, I want to be. I try real hard, but I come way short. Any of you guys been perfected yet? No. We're being sanctified according to the scriptures. We're in a process right now. But there is glorification waiting for us, and I can't wait for that day. Because there will be a day that we will see him face to face and we will be like him. Oh, what a glorious day. Some of the gifts were foundational. Prophecy and knowledge he brings up here. You guys can jot down Ephesians 2.20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being that chief cornerstone. Okay? And some of the gifts were conformatory, like tongues. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So there are things that God does in and through the church with these gifts to make himself known in the world. Okay, as we've been out street preaching and sharing the gospel, opportunity to pray with non-believers in legitimate healings happening right before their eyes. What is an unbeliever going to do with that? Like We know in the church, God can heal whenever he wants. Does he do it all the time? No, but we know he can, so we pray. But what does an unbeliever do when God actually heals? Oh, I can't believe in God any longer. I had a friend years ago who used to do some youth ministry. He was part of a huge Chicago-based ministry, and they had hundreds of kids showing up for their youth ministry. Awesome things. Anyways, there was one evening, a kid came in with his buddy, one's on crutches, 
okay? Broken leg, just got his cast on, okay? Still in some pain, okay? They're there that night. This guy, he just goes up to them because they're goofing off during worship, just all over. He just comes up and, hey, so you got a broken leg. Mind if I pray for you? You know? He's just like, whatever, if you want. I don't believe in that stuff. (laughs) He prayed. Guess what happened? Kid's leg got healed right then and there. Physically felt a change. What do you think him and his buddy did that night? They gave their lives to Jesus Christ. What do unbelievers do when God shows up? And how does God show up? It's through his people. But if we're in a place of saying, ah, that's not for today, we're going to miss out on some great opportunity, guys. Great opportunity. So every gift is linked with some way to build up the church to maturity. We go through each one of these, and we'll be spending more time in chapter 14, but it really is to build up the church in a lot of neat ways. So when that perfection is achieved, the gifts will have served their purposes and will be rendered obsolete. But this will not happen to love, okay? This is what I think Paul is addressing and talking about, what God wants us to get. But I also think the point of chapter 13 is to make us realize that, hey, these gifts, they may cease one day, okay? But when the church has matured, Christ has come back, okay? There's not going to be that need any longer. But this love thing, (laughs) that's not just temporal. That's never going to end. You guys know that love is eternal. You guys get that? It is forever, So we need to remember the context of this whole chapter. Love is greater than the gifts. That's the point he's getting to. So one is temporal and one is eternal. Two illustrations are given to us. Again, I'm going to read verse 11 for us. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then the second one in verse 12. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So a child to a man, right? Until Jesus comes, guys, we're going to continue to think childlike. How do I know that? (laughs) Because I'm crying out to God and I've done this for years. Lord, I want to have wisdom and understanding years beyond where I'm at, okay? Because I know I'm immature. I know my thinking is so childish at times, okay? Even now approaching 50, guys, I feel like I'm a kid. Like, man, there's so much I don't get. I don't understand. I don't know. Lord, help. Wisdom, please, okay? Um, So we see that here, but it will come, okay? An adult, you mature, there's understanding. So these childish things, they're no longer going to play, you know. Like, what did you guys enjoy when you were kids? I liked Light Bright. How many of you guys remember Light Bright back in the day? Okay, what toys did you guys enjoy? G.I. Joe? Anybody enjoy the G.I. Joe? Do you guys grow up in the church and you weren't allowed to play with He-Man? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Transformers were really cool. I still have a few. What's that? Regular Nintendo, amen. That's right, okay. Childish things, okay. I still play Nintendo. (laughs) 
But for the most part, guys, my toys, they've gotten a little more expensive. They're an iPad or an iPhone or cool Canon camera, you know. Um, so we grow up. And then he brings up this cloudy mirror to a clear mirror. And something you guys may not know, but Corinth was actually known for making mirrors. That was their thing. Um, the modern mirror that we have with its perfect reflection as we know it today didn't come along till about the 13th century. So the Corinthians mirror was made of very like finely polished metals. And even the best ones that they had, the reflection was definitely imperfect. Um, so some of us may like a mirror like that. <laughs> Anyways, much like a blind mother who after an eye operation got to see her child for the first time and she said, hey, I thought I knew you, but today I see you. So before, limited just to touch, to feel, to hearing his voice, but now if he entered into her dreams at night, she would recognize him. So today, guys, we know Christ like the clarity of seeing our own reflection in a stream, okay? But one day it's going to be face-to-face. I look forward to that day more than any other. I can't wait. Those three little words. What are we talking about this morning? Love, right? Those three words are not, I love you, okay? God does love you, and he's speaking that over you, okay? but come up here. Those are the three words I'm waiting to hear my Jesus say. (laughs) It's going to be a good day, and he's going to come back for his church. I want to conclude by sharing a few verses with you guys just in the reality of seeing God's face. You guys remember that priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Pretty cool, huh? Also, we know of Job's confidence. He said, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. That's Job 19, 25, and 26. And then we have King David's assurance. As for me, I will see your face face in righteousness and I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. That's my life verse, guys. I cannot wait. The first business card I ever had, that was the verse I had on it. It's been the longing of my heart for decades. I'm not going to be satisfied until I see you face to face. Okay? Things can be cool in life, they can be good in life, but none of it, none of it satisfies. I have a longing, and my longing is you, Jesus. So, number four, guys. Jesus' promise. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall. Woohoo! That's Matthew 5, 8. Isn't that so cool? Anyways, when we see the Savior face to face, our question marks are all going to be changed into exclamation points. Because a lot of us have questions. Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. I really need to know about this. <laughs> well, this you're not going to care about anymore. You're just going to be like, whoa, you're awesome, God. <laughs> you're cool, like way cooler than I thought you were going to be. I don't care about that other stuff. I'm just going to look at you. <laughs> it's going to be cool. Anyways, have I gotten off track? 
Let's look at verse 13. We'll wrap this up. Love is the greatest because. Dang, you should be a preacher. <laughs> Literally, that's what my notes say, bro. <laughs> but that's the reason why. Love is the greatest because God is love. Verse 13 tells us, and now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's consider these three real quickly. You see, faith trusts and rests upon evidence and it leads to action, okay? There's a reason why you're here this morning. I have faith in Jesus. He's told me to go to church. (laughs) It's gonna lead to action. Hope is confidence in the future. For the Christian guys, our hope isn't wishful thinking. I really hope... Jesus is the savior of the world. I really hope, as he said, he's the only way that I'm believing the right way. No, it's not wishful thinking, guys. It's an absolute. So faith without love is cold and hope without love is grim. And love is the fire in which kindles faith and is the light in which turns hope into certainty. So faith will be replaced by sight, guys. And hope will be replaced by possession. Or some see all three here as a full triad of the Christian virtues will abide. So does love come to the surface of your life more than any other virtue? I guess that would be the question. You see, if we, or if those around us they would choose the one virtue that would be the one for you. Would it be love? He loved me. She loved me. That's what God would have. The world will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. But we got this other stuff going on too, God. Won't they see that? No, the world will know they will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. So we need to love well. You guys know it's okay to tell one another that you love each other? I love it. I often get texts from my brother Wes, and he tells me he loves me. I think that's cool coming from a brother, from a man, because that's not normal in our culture, you know? So brothers, if you ever get a text from me, or sisters, hey bro, I love you, hey sis, I love you, that's cool. Why? Because we are to love each other, and it is good, and it's good to let each other know that too. So to hunt, to pursue, do you guys know the next verse in this book? Yeah, you got to go to the next chapter, but it goes on and starts, the next chapter starts with what? Oh, I thought chapter 14 was going to explain all the gift stuff to us. Wouldn't it start about that? No. The whole point even going into that next time is going to be, hey, pursue love. In light of all this gift stuff, (laughs) pursue love. That's the point. 
In, in the Greek, it's literally to hunt for, to pursue passionately. It's a present imperative that calls for a habitual action in our lives. So we need to pursue love. But my love's growing cold. Repent. <laughs> Continue to pursue love. And I love it because what do we read just before this chapter? The last part of chapter 12 Right? Everyone who follows or pursues the way of love finds the most excellent way. Isn't God so cool here? So in verse 31, because every individual is characterized by love, it carries a mark eternally. So practical love in our daily lives. How does that look? I don't know. I'm not you. I'm me, and I know what's going on in my life, who God set before me, the opportunities I have. You are you. God's put the people in your lives that you have for a reason. Love them. Serve them. Take every opportunity to love God. Isn't he be number one? Love God. Love one another, love others, love your neighbor. Love your enemy. So here's the test. I suffer long and am kind. I do not envy. I do not parade myself. I am not puffed up. I do not behave rudely. Do not seek my own. I am not provoked. I think no evil. I do not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things. I endure all things. I never fail when it comes to agape love. That's a high calling, Pastor. Brother and sister, keep yourself in the love of God. And this will be a natural outflow. Would you guys stand with me? And we'll close in prayer. Father, the wealth of love that enters into our heart when you come into our lives. There is nothing like it. We are changed by it. Lord, and I would pray for my brothers and sisters. God, would you be gracious to all that we would be in that sweet spot not moved from it, keeping ourselves in your love, abiding in your love, enjoying you. And Holy Spirit, we want to love others well because we know you get the glory through it, even those that we would consider an enemy. We thank you that you showed us how to do that what an example. 
And Jesus, you cried out, Father, forgive them. Being crucified and dying for those who hated you. What a Savior, what an example you are. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that you are there. Thank you for the precious faith we share, the hope we have, God, and the love that you have given that we get to enjoy and give to others. Lord, be glorified. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen.